righty. So we're going to go ahead and get into our Bible study. And then after our uh, Bible study, we'll take some prayer requests and then uh, have a time of prayer at the end of the service. Now, for the last, the last several weeks, we've been looking at how to develop your personal Bible study, how to develop your personal Bible study. And so we've been looking at that for quite a while, and I don't know that I'm done with that. There's still quite a bit more to look at on that, but I thought that maybe it'd be good if we took a little bit of a detour and uh, looked into something else for a while, and then we'll come back to it. And so uh, I want to begin looking at Psalm 119. Now, over the past several weeks, we've read through Psalm 119, uh, at the beginning of our services on Sunday mornings. And uh, so I thought, boy, it'd be wonderful if we took over the course of the next several weeks uh, and to begin looking at uh, uh, this. I believe that when you look at Psalm 119, you'll see that Psalm 119 focuses on the value of the Word of God. It is what the entire psalm is about, is the value of the Word of God. And so I believe that it will be a complement to our current study on developing our understanding of the Word of God because it tells us the importance of the Word of God and how valuable the Word of God is to us. And so the Lord willing, we'll spend the next few weeks uh, doing an expository study on the 119th Psalm. Lord uh, willing, that tonight we will do an introduction to the psalm. Uh, and then after that, we will just take one section at a time. There's 22 sections. We'll just take one section at a time and look at one section each uh, Wednesday night and uh, move through the psalm uh, that way. Now, as we do this study, I'll be pulling from several different resources. Uh, I, uh, like Brother Danny says, uh, uh, you milk a lot of cows, but you churn your own butter. And so I uh, may pull from a lot of different uh, resources. I have some of them here just, to, just to, for reference. Uh, I have here The Golden Alphabet by Charles Spurgeon. Uh, I have here Psalm 119, an exposition by Charles Bridge. I have Warren Wiersbe. Now, of course, this is his commentary on the whole Bible, but this is the volume that covers the book of Psalms. And then John Phillips as well. Uh, his a commentary on the whole Bible, but this is his volume, one of his volumes on the book of Psalms. And so uh, pulling from some of these resources, and then I have several other resources that I have a Bible study program on my computer, and I have commentaries that are downloaded to that that I don't actually have hard copies of. Uh, so we pull from a lot of different resources and digging in and studying each of these resources, and then, of course, spending my own time in the Word of God and seeking the Lord to reveal to me how he would have us uh, to divide each passage of Scripture. As you look at the 119th Psalm, it's easy to recognize that it is the longest of all the Psalms. Of all 150 Psalms, Psalm 119 is definitely the longest, uh, but it's also the longest chapter in the Bible. Now, there are some chapters, uh, uh, I think, that might come close. They don't have as many verses, but boy, as some of those uh, chapters in the Old Testament are talking about the law, uh, they may not be as long as Psalm 119, but they take longer to read. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so, but it is the longest chapter uh, in the Bible. And at 176 verses, uh, this psalm is actually longer than several books in the New Testament. This psalm is actually longer than several books. And so um, <clears throat> we see that this is definitely the longest uh, chapter in the Bible. Now, the size of this psalm, though, is not wasted ink. The size of this psalm is not... Uh, rep repetitive. Now, when you read the psalm, uh, just read through it. Sometimes you will feel uh, that this psalm uh, just repeats itself over and over. But whenever you begin to study this psalm, you'll find that it's not repetitive, but that it continues 
to dig deeper and deeper into the word of God. And so we see that from verse 1 to verse 176, this psalm is loaded with a message of the sufficiency of the word of God in the life of the believer that I believe is unsurpassed by any other piece of literature. Every verse in this psalm directs the mind of the reader to God and his word. Every verse will direct your mind to God and the value of his word. God is actually mentioned in every verse in Psalm 119. There is a mention, uh, a reference to God in every verse in Psalm 119, and his word is referred to in 173 of the 176 verses. So you can easily see the theme of this psalm. Now if you continue to look into this psalm, uh, you'll find out that the psalmist mentions himself 325 times. So he speaks of himself 325 times. He offers 70 prayer requests uh, and he gives 66 uh, uh, times that he mentions suffering. Uh, so we see here that the psalmist is saying, I am, have needs. Uh, I'm giving prayer and my answer is God and his word. Just looking at these numbers, we can see the message of the psalm is that all people, we all have suffering, we all have difficulties, we all have struggles, we all have prayer requests, but God and his word is where we find the answer to our needs. Whenever you look at, uh, at the psalms, I was reading, I was reading here Brother, Brother Bridges today, and uh, he was talking about, before he even got into the psalm, he was talking about how that from the beginning of time until now, mankind has always been mankind. That which was born of flesh has always been flesh. That which was born of spirit has always been spirit. And therefore, even though the word of God may be thousands of years old, it still applies to you and I because mankind has always been mankind. And so as we look at this passage of scripture and we see the psalmist sharing what is on his mind, we can relate it to ourselves and see it applying in our own life. A lot of times uh, uh, we think that we're very different from former generations. But really, if you comb away all the trinkets till all you have left is the soul of man and the mind of man, you will find that we're no different than we were generations ago. Our only difference is our trinkets, and many times we put way too much emphasis on our trinkets, but that's a completely different message. But if you take the trinkets away, you'll find out that mankind is always mankind. We're going to read tonight the first three verses of Psalm 119. The first three verses, many commentators uh, consider these first three verses to kind of be an introduction to the psalm. Uh, so we're going to read these first three verses as, as way of introduction, and then we'll begin looking at a overview of this psalm. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse number 1, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. There was actually a preacher who told his children that he wanted them to take the take Psalm 119, and he wanted them to take one verse a day and meditate on that verse for that day, every day, a different verse. And by the end of the year, they had went all the way through the psalm twice, meditating on one verse at a time all day. And he had told his children this is what they wanted, he wanted them to do. It's something he had done and that it would revolutionize your life. Well, may just looking at these first three verses, I can see how this would have 
an impact. Verse number one, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Now just imagine that you're rehearsing that self into you in your mind all day long. You're rehearsing these words in your mind all day long. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Can you imagine how much better you'd be able to resist temptation that day? Here comes the devil wanting to tempt you and you're quoting, blessed is the undefiled who walk in the law of the Lord. Well, I'm telling you, this would make a difference on how you could resist temptation and the way that the devil wants to pull at you. Look at verse 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. Can you imagine how much better your Bible study would be that day? When all day long you're repeating to yourself, uh, blessed are they that seek him with a whole heart. Boy, I tell you, this would work. And then verse number three, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. And so just right here in these three verses, we can see that there is a powerful message in this psalm. And they look at these three verses as being the introduction, and we'll definitely look at these in more depth in our next lesson. But these three verses kind of set the stage for the entire psalm by showing us the value of the Word of God and how the Word of God will bless those who take time to read it. Let's pray and then we'll get into the lesson. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your Word. Thank you, dear Lord, that it is clear. Thank you, dear Lord, that it speaks to us. Thank you, dear Lord, that it's relative. Thank you that it's applicable. Thank you, dear Lord, that we can return to it over and over and over again. And Lord, just as the widow's a barrel of oil that never ran dry, Father, we can come to your word over and over and over again. And Lord, there's always something new. There's something always uh, that will refresh us. There's something always there that will speak to us. And Father, I thank you uh, that your word is not just a dusty book lying in a corner, but Father, that uh, that it is the Word of God and that it's alive and it's real. And, Father, that it ministers to our heart. Father, I thank you that you have provided it to us. I thank you, dear Lord, that you have recorded it for us. I thank you you have preserved it for us. And now, Father, as we take a little bit of time this evening to look into it, I pray, dear Lord, that you will use it, uh, Father, to speak to us, to challenge us, and to encourage us. Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness to us. Bless us now throughout this service. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. As we begin looking at this psalm, the first thing that you want to consider is uh, the author. Who wrote uh, Psalm 119? Now, many of the psalms, uh, if you remember back during 2020, I went through quite a few of the psalms online there for a while. I believe we went through the first hundred psalms. And if you remember when we was doing that, I always drew attention to the heading. Uh, of the psalm, and it would tell uh, who many times who wrote the psalm or what the psalm was written for or how it was to be used. But if you notice here in Psalm 119, there is no heading. It doesn't tell us anything about the psalm. We just go straight into the verse. Now we have the letter Aleph there, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But outside of that letter, uh, there is no description of the psalm. So the author did not sign this psalm, so to speak. We do not have the author's name. And there are several possibilities as to who the author could have been. Many people have made a lot of speculation. Now, anytime that you will find this true about anything, especially Bible teaching, anytime there's an opening, there's opinions. <laughs> and so there's a lot of speculation about who possibly wrote this psalm. Of course, uh, first of all, there would be David uh, who penned most of the psalms. And so naturally we would think that uh, David possibly could have penned uh, Psalm 119. Uh, some have said that uh, Hezekiah, and fellas, we'll be moving through these fairly quickly. So some have said that possibly Hezekiah uh, was the author of uh, Psalm 119. Some have said, leaned towards Jeremiah the prophet 
as being the author of Psalm 119. Uh, some have said that Ezra, uh, perhaps the prophet Ezra, was the author of Psalm 119. Others have leaned towards Nehemiah as the author of this psalm. Some have attributed it to Malachi, the prophet Malachi. Others have attributed it to Daniel. And then there are others who attribute it to Moses. And so there's definitely a lot of opinions on who possibly wrote this psalm. Now, just for example, just to give you an example of how good men differ on this, uh, Warren Wearsby uh, is definitely one of my favorite commentators. I really enjoy reading Warren Wearsby. He's clear, easy to understand, does a thorough job. Warren Wearsby feels uh, that Jeremiah is the, the author here. So I'm just going to read you this excerpt. Uh, Y'all just uh, follow along with me, and I'll read to you what Mr. Wearsby says and why he feels that Jeremiah is the author. He says here, Whether right or wrong, I have often thought that the prophet Jeremiah might have been the author of Psalm 119 and that he wrote it to teach and encourage his young disciples after the destruction of the temple. Many of the statements in the psalm could be applied to Jeremiah. He spake with kings, five of them in fact, and bore reproach because he faithfully served the Lord. He was surrounded by critics and enemies who did not seek God's law, but wanted to get rid of the prophet. Jeremiah was definitely the prophet of God's word in the heart, and this is an emphasis in, in Psalm 119. The writer wept over the plight of his people. However, in the midst of catastrophe and danger, Jeremiah rejoiced in God's word and nourished himself in it. In both vocabulary and message, this psalm is rooted in the book of Deuteronomy, which is Moses' second declaration of the law. However, unlike Exodus, Deuteronomy emphasizes love and obedience from the heart, not just a ritual following of God's rules. Jeremiah was a priest as well as a prophet and had a working knowledge of Deuteronomy. So there's Mr. Wearsby, and he says that whether he's right or wrong, he strongly leans to the fact that Jeremiah was the author. Now, Charles Spurgeon here, who uh, actually did a great work on the treasury of David on all of the Psalms, but this is a separate work he did just on Psalm 119 called the Golden Alphabet. Uh, Charles Spurgeon says, We believe that David wrote this psalm. It is David in tone and expression, and it tallies with David's experience in many interesting points. In our youth, our teacher called it David's pocketbook, and we incline to the opinion then expressed that here we have the royal diary written at various times throughout a long life. No, we cannot give up this psalm to the enemy. This is David's spoil. After long reading an author, one gets to know his style and a measure of discernment is acquired by which his composition is detected even if his name be concealed. We feel a kind of critical certainty that the hand of David is in this thing, yea, that it is altogether his own. And now, I will readily admit that Spurgeon and Wearsby were both uh, far more intelligent men than I am. <laughs> and they both have given good arguments and we could spend all night. Uh, you see we have eight positions listed here. There may be more. We could read commentator after commentator on who they think wrote Psalm 119. Personally, I like the thought that David wrote it. That just tends to be the way that I would lean. I really can't give you any argument any stronger than what Mr. Spurgeon gave you. It's just always been my inclination that David was the author but you know, regardless of the identity of the author, whether it was any of these eight men, we know that this psalm was penned 
and preserved under the inspiration of God. And therefore it is applicable to us today regardless of who the human author was. But there is some debate as to who the human author of this psalm was. The second thing we want to consider here is the time. The time. When was this psalm written? And because we're unable to definitely identify the author, we cannot definitely determine the time of its writing. If you look that Moses is a con considered by some to be a possibility, I really don't think there's much argument at all that Moses could have been the author. But if we say... It, from Moses to David, we got a lot of years between there. This is a big span of time, and so it's difficult by not knowing the author to pin down when this psalm was written. However, as you've seen Mr. Spurgeon mention right there, the progression of the psalm, if you, if you watch as we study through this psalm, uh, you find that the nature of the psalm is not a psalm that someone just sat down and wrote in one setting. This is a psalm that was wrote over a period of time, very likely over the period of a lifetime, or at least several years. You will notice a difference in tone from the, from the portions written at the beginning to the portions written at the end. It's almost as if, and when we look at the structure of this psalm in a minute, you will see some of this, but it's almost as if this is a project that somebody started, and they just worked on it a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there. Brother Warren's got a, a walking stick that his dad made. Uh, that his dad started when he was 16, you told me? Your dad started carving on that when he was 16? 20. 20. Started carving on it, but he started carving on it, and he carved on it for a long time, just a little here and a little there. And I'm telling you what, it is a work of art from beginning to end and all the things he added to it. But he didn't just sit down one afternoon and do it. This is something he worked on for a long time. And when you look at Psalm 119, this has that same style about it, that this was something that the author kept in his pocket and he would pull it out and write a little bit and put it in his pocket, pull it out and write a little bit and over a lifetime or at least several years this psalm came together. The next thing we see is the theme, the theme of this psalm. Uh, the theme without doubt is the sufficiency of the word of God. And now there's a, a whole entire message on the, the, this thought right here Whenever you think about the fact that all the author had available to him, and I'll probably begin referring to the author as David. If y'all feel differently, that's all right. All that the author had available to him was the Old Testament, and not a complete Old Testament. He had the law of God. He, he had the books of Moses. And yet, you read this psalm, and he doesn't speak of it in, a, in the mindset that many people today like to speak of the Old Testament. Uh, he speaks of it as something uh, that is beneficial, something that is sufficient, something that is encouraging. And boy, I'm telling you what, there is an entire message uh, when you begin to look at the fact that not only this author, but you look at the, the, the Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, uh, John, when they began preaching right after the ascension, they were preaching out of the Old Testament. But yet, out of the Old Testament, they were preaching uh, uh, on the, proving the Lord Jesus Christ. They was proving uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. They were preaching everything out of the Old Testament. Now, I know that we are under a new covenant. And I know that the Mosaic ritual law no longer applies. 
But I believe that the Old Testament is as valuable today as it ever was. And there's a group of people who would like us to think that the Old Testament is nothing more than historical record. I'm telling you what, there are truths and treasures throughout the Old Testament that will always be valuable to us. We see that the theme of this psalm is the sufficiency of the word of God. And although at this time uh, David was speaking of the Old Testament and what he had available, this definitely applies to the whole of the canon of the word of God. It is sufficient. There's plenty of people who want to rewrite. There's plenty of people who want to uh, reinterpret. There's plenty of people who want to uh, disregard the word of God. But the word of God is sufficient for everything we encounter in life. As I mentioned before, God is mentioned in every verse. His word is referred to in 173 of the 176 verses. Whenever we look at the theme of this psalm, it's possible, and this is just an assumption, but it seems to be a strong assumption, it is possible that Psalm 119 is an exposition or, or a more thorough exposition, I guess I should say, or an expansion of Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. Turn back to Psalm 19, verse 7 to 11. You'll recognize this portion of Scripture. It's been put to music, and uh, folks have sang this portion of Scripture many times. It's been preached on many times. But if you go back to Psalm 19, verse 7 to 11, uh, you will find here, the Bible says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Whenever you look at this portion of Scripture in relation to Psalm 119, you will see a very striking similarity between these two passages of Scripture. Many times whenever I'm putting together a Bible lesson or a sermon, I'll just have a scrap piece of paper. Uh, Brother Rick, I don't know what it is, but my mind just don't work as well when I'm doing this as it does when I'm writing on that paper. And so I'll, most of the time I'll start with a scrap piece of paper and I'll just start writing ideas on that piece of paper and writing thoughts and drawing arrows between them and tying them together. And then after a while I'll start making sense of it and it'll start taking shape and then eventually I'll go over here and start typing it out. But uh, what we have here, I believe, what could be possible is that Psalm 19, 7 uh, through ele- uh, 7 through 10, 7 through 11, is the psalmist's original idea. And Psalm 119 is the expansion of that idea. There's some similarities between these two I'll point out to you. Uh, in Psalm 19, uh, David lists six names for Scripture, and five of them are found in Psalm 119. Uh, law, testimony, precept, commandment, Judgment. These are uh, words used to refer to Scripture that are found both in Psalm 19 and in Psalm 119. I did not have that on your worksheet, but the, the five words, if you want them again, are law, testimony, precept, commandment, and judgment. We find these words in both of these Psalms. Uh, Psalm 19 and 119 also share similar uh, vocabulary. Uh, We see here, did you jump ahead and find something for me there, brother? All right. (laughs) Yeah, good deal. That works. Uh, So 
Uh, Psalm 19 and 119 also share similar vocabulary. In both we find these words, perfect, pure, righteous, and meditate. These words are found in both portions of Scripture. Both portions of Scripture compare the word of God to gold and to honey. And in both there is an emphasis on keeping or obeying God's word. So we see that there are some strong similarities between these two psalms. They're definitely uh, psalms that have strong similarities, so we see that it's possible that Psalm 119's expansion of Psalm 19. Now we know that Psalm 19 was written by David, so I would believe if this is an expansion, either David expanded on his original thought or somebody else expanded on David's original thought. And now preachers are guilty of doing that. And so <laughs> we will definitely expand on somebody else's thoughts. So somebody may have read Psalm 19 and expanded on that. Uh, but it could be that David expanded on that. But definitely we see a similarity between them. Uh, we also have a list of eight words that are used for Scripture in Psalm 119. That's the uh, slide that Hot Rod popped up for you there. But there's eight words used for the Scripture in Psalm 119. We find the word law. Uh, is used 24 times in Psalm 119. The word testimony is used 19 times in Psalm 119. The word precept is found 20 times in Psalm 119. The word statute is found 19 times in Psalm 119. The word commandment is used 22 times uh, there in Psalm 119. The word judgment is used 22 times in Psalm 119. The word word is also used 22 times. And then the word promise is found 20 times in Psalm 119. Now some folks also include the word the way as also referring to the word of God. And there are some verses where definitely the application can be made. Uh, but it's not necessarily speaking of something that would be written. And so many people discount it. But... The word way also is found uh, as referring to the scripture. And so we see that Psalm 119 is full of references to the scriptures. Now if we go on, we could consider the layout of the psalm. Now this is something that we know exists, uh, but we're limited by our English language to be able to see the full beauty of this. But Psalm 119 is an acrostic using the Hebrew alphabet, 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And if you look above each section, uh, you see uh, before verses 1 through 8, the word Aleph, before verses 2 down through 16, the word Beth, and so forth and so on. You go all the way through and you see before every eight verses, there is a word. Well, this is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each one of these words is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, when this was written in Hebrew, we had each one of these letters marking a section of eight verses, which would have been eight lines or eight sentences in each stanza. So 22 stanzas, each one consisting of eight lines or eight sentences, each one beginning or marked by this letter of the Hebrew alphabet. But the part that we are unable to get the beauty of in the English language is in the Hebrew, every line started with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So if you were to see this in Hebrew, verses 1 through 8, every line would have started with Aleph, every one of them. 
verse 2 through 16, every line would have started with Beth and so forth and so on. And what this was, was it was structured in such a way that made it easy to memorize. And so it was very easy to commit this psalm to memory because it was laid out in this acrostic and everything fit together. Uh, each, each line of each stanza began with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The application of this psalm, the application of this psalm. And so there's a few things that we want to notice here as we, as we look at this uh, application. And there's many, many, many applications that can be made as we'll see as we go through it. But just an overview of the psalm and we'll look at some of these. The ministry of the word of God in the life of the believer. What does the word of God do for the believer? Why is it important for the believer to get into the word of God? And, and I, I will just give, give a testimony here. And those of you who spend time in the word of God can give testimony. You may not feel like you get some great gold nugget out of the Bible every time you read it. But when you are faithful to read the word of God, it changes your mindset. It changes your outlook. It, it really does have an effect on the believer. And when we live in a world that is constantly bombarding us with their uh, propaganda, spending time in the Word of God definitely helps to purify the mind of the Christian. And so we see here the ministry of the Word of God in the life of the believer. What is it that the Bible does for me? Well, first off, uh, we see that here in Psalm 119 that it keeps us clean. Verse number 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. The word of God keeps us clean. One thing that the curriculum does that we use, the ACE curriculum we use in the Christian school, it puts a huge emphasis on the students that are learning to read, to read the scripture, to read the King James Version of the scripture and you will be amazed how much stronger reading skills graduates have from that curriculum because they have got into the word of God and it just develops us but we see how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word the word of God keeps us clean the word of God ministers to us uh, let her be and that it brings us joy it brings us joy you can look in verse number 14 and we may not look at all these verses, but verse number 14, he, he says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Boy, I'm telling you what, that's some love for the word of God. He said, this makes me as happy as if I had all the riches in the world. The word of God uh, brings me that kind of joy. You can look over at uh, verse 111. In verse number 111, he says, Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. In one, verse 162, he says here, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. The word of God ministers to me in that it keeps me clean. It ministers to me in that it brings me joy. We find that the word of God ministers to us, let her see, and that it guides our steps. It guides our steps. Verse number 24 Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. It gives us direction. Uh, verse 33 through 35 says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. 
Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Uh, We see not only that, but also the Word of God ministers to us in that it establishes our values. The Word of God establishes our values. You know, the problem with America and the world today is that they have left the Word of God and they have no basis to establish their values on. The Word of God gives me a basis to establish my values on. And we see that the psalmist speaks of this in verse number 11. Uh, He says, Thy word... Have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee? We look over in verse number 37. And he says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. In verse 72, he says, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. We see that it establishes our value. Many more verses we could look at there. We see in verse number 58 that the word of God ministers to me in teaching me to pray. It says, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. We see here a lesson on prayer through the word of God. Uh, The word of God ministers to me in that it gives me hope. Verse number 49. Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. The word of God gives hope uh, to the believer. Uh, The word of God ministers to us in that it promises peace. It promises peace to the believer. In verse number 165, we turn over here to verse number 165. He says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The word of God ministers in promising peace to us. The word of God ministers to the believer uh, in that it frees us from sin. It frees us from sin. If you look in verse number 133, it says, Order, let me see here, is that the right verse? 133. Yes, order my steps uh, in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Free me uh, from my sin. You can flip on back to verse number 45. And he says, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. The word of God ministers to us in that it frees us from sin. The word of God ministers to us in that it improves our friendships. It improves our friendships. Did you know that being a student of the word of God would help you to have better friendships? Well, the psalmist talks about this. In verse number 63, he says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee, and of them that keep thy precepts. In verse 74, he says, They that fear thee will be glad when they see me. And we could go on. We see that it improves our friendships. We see the word of God ministers to us in that it reveals our purpose. It reveals our purpose. Verse number 73, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. The word of God reveals our purpose. The word of God ministers to us in that it empowers our witness, our ability to witness. In verse 41, down through verse number 43, it says, Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him, that reproacheth me. 
for I trust in thy word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hope in thy judgment. It empowers us to witness. And then the ministry of the word of God, we see that the word of God ministers to us in that it revives our spirit. The Word of God revives our spirit. Boy, I'm telling you what, living in this world, being flesh, it's easy to get run down. But the Word of God revives our spirit. We see this in multiple places in this psalm. In verse number 25, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Verse 37, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Verse number 40, Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. And we could continue going on, but we find over and over and over that the word of God quickens, it makes alive, it renews, it restores the heart of the believer. The word of God ministers to the believer. Now, Brother Rick, there's you a, a small thing you can expand on. <laughs> Take that and just expand on that message. But we see that the word of God uh, speaks to us. And so when we look at Psalm 119, and this has just been an overview this evening of the psalm and, and, and the composition of the psalm and what the psalm has to say, boy, I'll tell you what, we can see here that Psalm 119 has already conveyed a powerful message concerning the sufficiency of the Word of God. Don't let anybody tell you that this, this book is outdated. Don't let anybody tell you it's no longer relative. Don't let, you, let them tell you that it doesn't apply. This book is applicable, and it is sufficient. And if we will apply ourselves to it, it will apply itself to us, and you will see a difference in your life. So hopefully you enjoyed that introduction to Psalm 119, and definitely looking forward to digging into this psalm over the next several weeks and uh, seeing what the Lord can teach us about his word and the value of his word to the Christian. So at this time, uh, we'll go ahead and take some prayer requests. And so if anyone here has any prayer requests, uh, we will take those, and then we'll come and pray here at the altar in just a moment. Anyone at all have any prayer requests? Miss Jane? Pray for Joyce, a heart catheterization. Sixty years. Sixty years. Amen. Praise the Lord for that.
Amen. Let's pray for her for sure. Do, uh, do continue to pray for Brother Melvin. Uh, I've not been able to speak to Melvin or Carmenia yet, but I have spoke to the staff at the uh, at the home, and uh, they've, they've told me that Melvin's doing well. You know, that's to be expected, but it was a pretty intensive surgery, so, you know, taking time to get his strength back and stuff is taking some time, but that everything's going uh, as it should. But do continue to pray for uh, Melvin as he recovers from that surgery. Then pray for Melissa and I, because we'll be traveling uh, to Gara through, uh, through Tuesday, be going to some conferences. Let's uh, pray the Lord gets us safety on the road and helps us to learn uh, as we're at these conferences and gain some stuff we can bring back to you. Anyone else? Anyone else? <coughs> Corey? Joey? Vicki Painter on the cancer list. Vicki Painter on the cancer list. <coughs> if you remember last week, uh, Brother uh, Robbie uh, asked prayer for Jonathan Hernandez. Jonathan Hernandez is our missionary uh, to the Amazon Basin. Uh, if you remember, uh, Robbie actually mentioned it in his uh, slideshow as well, but uh, Brother Hernandez was here not that long ago, and he was telling us how that he modeled his church after our church, that he loved how this looked, and when he got over there, he tried to make his church have this same look inside and so forth and so on. Well, Brother Jonathan Hernandez fell uh, 32 feet off of a scaffold and uh, broke himself up pretty good. And so I have here two letters uh, from his wife uh, just updating us on his condition. And so I'd like to just take a couple minutes and just read these letters to you and give you updates on Brother Hernandez. It says, Dear pastors and praying friends, I'm writing to request urgent prayer for my husband, Jonathan Hernandez. On Tuesday, October 25th, he and missionary Zach Bruner were working at our church here in the Amazon in preparation for the church's anniversary conference when John fell 32 feet to the ground. We were able to do the calculations and figured out he had the 22-foot scaffolding set up with a 10-foot extension ladder on top as he was installing wiring to help brighten the back area of the church. The ladder broke and everything came crashing to the ground. John was able to brace his head with his left arm and he injured the left side of his body. I thank the Lord his life was spared and he is walking and talking and thought processing good. He is in a lot of pain with having several cracked ribs and a broken bone, the left arm at the shoulder. With our limited resources here in the Amazon, they were able to take x-rays and find out that he is in dire need of a surgery, which here they do not have all of the necessary equipment to perform. Lord willing, we are headed to Bogota tomorrow, October 29th, and have been scheduled for an appointment on Monday, October 31st. We have so much to be thankful for. The kids were so happy to see their daddy when he returned home after an overnight stay at the hospital and seeing four doctors both here in Brazil and in Colombia. All four doctors say he needs to be seen in the big city. We have seen the Lord move in so many ways. From the Bruner family being here to help us, our church family pitching in and not leaving John's side, to things the Lord had prepared even before we knew what was to come, to people around the world praying for John and our family. 
I wanted you as our prayer partners and supporters to know of this big need. Please pray for us as we know the road ahead of testing, surgery, recovering, and therapy will be hard, but we know that God is already working things out for our good and for his glory. There are many unplanned for costs coming up in the days ahead. Please pray that God gives us traveling grace, gives the doctors wisdom, and that the surgery goes well. I will do my best to keep you informed. Thank you again for your many prayers and support over the years. Then we got an update uh, on uh, November 1st. And uh, Stephanie says, Dear pastors and praying friends, our hearts are overwhelmed with the outpouring of love we have received over the past week. Thank you, thank you for the many prayers, words of encouragement, and love offerings. As we sat in the doctor's office and heard from the fifth doctor telling us that John is lucky to be alive, the tears just flow knowing how this update to you could be so different. We are so thankful that the Lord chose to spare John's life. You all that know him on a personal level know this husband of mine does not stop. I wouldn't want it any other way. He works day and night, and the ministry is his passion. So he looks at me and tells me, See, Steph, God's not done with me yet. I guess he now wants me to focus on the seminary since I'm not able to build churches for a while. Yesterday they ran several tests and scans on him, and we are awaiting two more, which we were able to schedule for this Saturday, November the 5th, but we are praying they have an earlier appointment. Once we can get all the results in, the doctor will be able to schedule the surgery appointment. He wanted to perform it on Friday, November the 4th, but he needs these tests done first. Please pray with us about that. We are possibly looking at next week for the surgery. I will do my best to keep you all updated. Thank you again for your many prayers and support over the years and during this time. So there's just an update on Brother Hernandez. We praise the Lord that he did watch over him and spare his life. Uh, but definitely going to be a time of recovery. Uh, so just pray the Lord watches over him. The surgeries go well. When you're in a third world country, uh, going and getting surgeries is a little scarier than when we do it here. And so uh, a lot of things could possibly go wrong. So just pray that the Lord watches over Brother Jonathan. Pray that he blesses with the church there, provides the finances that are needed, that the Lord just watches over him. Any other requests before we gather to honor to pray? Any other request? Anyone at all? All right, if no one else, let's gather here around the altar.